0: It ain't the left side for the right side. And it must be the
1: fin side. It ain't the left side Thank you, Solo D. Welcome to another episode of On the Fin Side here with Kat and Paul. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Spreaker, iTunes, YouTube, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. I'm Brian Kett, NFL And Paul is Fanatic underscore pick on Twitter. We're recapping the events over the last week, and even though the draft has concluded and there's not much news going on, we're going to try to do this every week or every two weeks to give you our thoughts as we continue here throughout the summer, because, well, I mean, what else are we going to do? Um, But very, very big news in the Dolphins community, obviously, this, this past week. Don Shula, legendary coach, passes away peacefully in his bed at 90 years old as the winningest coach of all time and the only person on the planet to ever head coach an undefeated team for the 1972 Miami dolphins. After his retirement, he lived like a King became a successful business owner. What more can you say uh, about Don Shula, Paul? I mean, I I know that I started being a fan of the dolphins when I was, you know, 10 to 12 years old here in the, the early to mid nineties, uh, you probably have a lot more to say about him and a lot more experience with Don Shula than I do.
0: Yeah. I mean, growing up, he wasn't a coach. He was the coach. I mean, I, I've been wearing Dolphins stuff since God. I mean, I remember when I was two years old and I remember, you know, tottering around in Dolphins gear. Um, and, you know, so he was literally the only coach i knew for miami uh until jimmy johnson took over when i I was a teenager and uh no it was just uh, he was he was a mainstay for me and you know it's it's getting down to miami like you and i used to do all the time uh you know you'd always see him on the golf cart if you went down to the sidelines or anything he'd be he'd be around the team he was a Anybody that met him ended up with a Shula story too. I mean, he would sit and talk football with you like you were an old friend if you had the chance to meet him. Uh, and, and it could have been it could have been your first time meeting the guy. Everybody that I've talked to that has one, I don't really have one. I mean, I got to I got to say a quick hi to him once as he flew by on his his, his golf cart. But you know, a lot of people have them, and really. I haven't heard anybody walk away with a bad Shula story.
1: Yeah, it was because I'm working from home this week. I I was watching ESPN and Jeff Darlington had a couple of good ones. And my favorite one was it was the beginning of training camp and a player overslept. And to try to get into practice, the player jumped the fence, put on a helmet, got into the huddle, and he was convinced that Don Shula did not notice him. Uh, about the fourth play, he calls a timeout, and he says, hey, you, whatever his number was, you're cut. And he threw him out of practice. And and he said, no, not only are you going to – not only are you cut, uh, you have to leave the same way that you cut, came in by jumping the fence, going through the woods, and getting out of here. So not – It was fantastic. And, and look, Don Shula, you know, after 1995 when he retired, you know, you see him around in the golf cart, the warmest, gentlest guy. Like you said, everybody comes away with a good story, but he was certainly from, from all accounts, able to put his foot down uh, when it needed to be. Obviously Uh, you don't, you don't get to uh, be in the winningest coach of all time by being a nice, by only a nice guy. Yeah, and
0: and he is one person, I think, collectively around the NFL that, you know, Bill Belichick will probably be the next one. Uh, But, again, he is the one person around the NFL, coaching-wise, that that seems to transcend that we've all seen growing up. And you look at, you know, the Dolphins route Mount Rushmore, you can't talk about that without having shula's big old jaw sitting there in granite uh right at the forefront <clears throat> and you really can't even talk about an nfl version of mount rushmore without shula being on that as well it's he's the winningest coach of all time you know he he turned the dolphins franchise into what it it, it is and you know like it, it's I can't say enough good about the guy. I really can't.
1: Yeah. He's certainly going to be missed. And again, what a life at 90 years old, uh, uh, passing away warmly in his bed as a successful man, as a, as a successful coach. And yeah, when you, when you look back, I mean, I, even when I was, you know, I'd say 1992, I used to play the Dolphins on Game Boy, uh, and that's how I became a fan of the Dolphins. I liked their colors, and I knew they had Dan, Marina, uh, Dan Marino as a quarterback and Don Shula as head coach, and everything took over from there. Uh, so without question, I, I don't think we'd be sitting here today doing this podcast uh, if, if it weren't for Don Shula. Uh, so rest in peace, my friend. You'll you'll always have uh, top-notch fans here on, on, on the Fin side. Uh, and, Paul, there's there's really no easy way to segue from that. Um, but we're taking a look here at, at a few of these Dolphins, a uh, little bit of Dolphins news here. Uh, some news actually here today, I mean, uh, or at the time we're recording this show, Albert Wilson uh, takes a pay cut, not only a pay cut, but a major pay cut. I mean, he was scheduled to make $10.8 million this year. He took a pay cut so that he gets, get this. $3 million this year that could be up to $4 million with incentives. That was certainly something I don't think we expected, but it also shows Albert Wilson wants to be part of this team and wants to compete with these younger pups to keep that third wide receiver spot.
0: And while I, I, I said before I would still keep Albert Wilson at his previous cap number, even though I prefer a cut down, this makes him an absolute steal. For the Dolphins. We saw what he could do and what a game-changing player he could be and the impact that he had, even if he wasn't playing every single snap on offense, uh, being a versatile weapon, uh, you know, coming out of the backfield, going in motion, running every which way and and creating mismatches. And now he, he, he is a complete and total steal because you really don't worry about a $4 million receiver getting injured. You just worry about what he can contribute on the field and God, he could be a big component for this team moving forward and be the guy that also teaches some of these young dudes like Malcolm Perry. Um, you know, it's, uh, it's God. It's, yeah. I, I'm excited. Yeah. I, I
1: he'll compete with, uh, you know, it's, it'll be, it'll be a fun camp because you got him as the third guy you'll have, uh, veterans really uh jakeem grant and, and alan hearns competing you'll have isaiah ford malcolm perry and and matt cole the rookie so i i don't think you know i i think wilson's safe as that third guy now um don't discount
0: kirk Merritt either
1: yeah kirk kirk Merritt, another undrafted free agent that uh, someone we talked about too it's yeah it, so we, and the dolphins always seem to get those guys that come out of camp that that start to show something in the preseason games or or throughout camp. I mean, I remember Devon Best made the team in, in 2008 and had one of the best rookie seasons ever for an undrafted re, uh, receiver. Same thing with Preston Williams. Uh, Chris Hogan, remember, in 2012, how nobody could cover him. Uh, DeMaurier Stringfellow with a 99-yard touchdown. I mean, the list goes on and on. It, the Dolphins seem to get these undrafted wide receivers every year. Uh, but as far as Albert Wilson's concerned, yeah it's it's been kind of a shame with the guy too, really not uh, throughout his career because he was he was buried in Kansas City, you know, behind a lot of different weapons. And then he comes to Miami for a contract that really surprised me. But he was signed at twenty five as an up and coming player. Um, first seven games of uh, is his career. He has twenty six catches for uh, four hundred and seven yards and five total touchdowns. Then he tears his Achilles in the Detroit game. Out the rest of the year and then the following year uh, he has injuries right off the bat in 2019 but in the last three games of 2019 um he has he has over 200 yards receiving in those final three games so we started to see that same albert wilson that we saw at the beginning of 2018 before he tore his achilles and i think that's why it's exciting to have him back at this number
0: Yeah, and I, I love the chemistry that he and Grant really seem to have out there. I mean, there was probably no more iconic image from a game than the two of them high-fiving while they outran the entire defense a couple of years ago. That was yeah. not the past few years.
1: Yeah, you bet. You bet. It's it's JaKeem Grant is somebody who uh, needs to not get hurt in training camp because uh, – you got some uh, some some young guys nipping at your heels. If that's the case, especially for that kick returner job, and I I also can't help too is thinking that if the Dolphins had cut Albert Wilson, if he would have gone right to New York and and rejoined Adam Gase, because unlike a lot of people, uh, Albert Wilson is actually a big fan of Albert of of Adam Gase and vice versa. So that that may keep. Albert Wilson, uh, out of a New York jets uniform. And they, they would probably need a receiver like that because it looks like Quincy Inunua and and Josh Bellamy are not going to be playing wide receiver for them here, here this year because of injuries. So yeah, great to have him back. And, uh, another transaction that takes place here this week, not a huge surprise. In fact, not the only surprise is that we got something for him. Former first round pick, uh, in 2017, Charles Harris traded to the Falcons for a seventh round pick. and yeah, I mean, somebody who really never put it together here in Miami. I mean, this is a player I watched uh, as a Mizzou fan, and I never quite understood the love of him for a top, you know, twenty twenty five pick in that year. I thought he was a solid player, but not not the most explosive guy. It was a four eight forty type of player at the defensive end spot. He played like it. He didn't have. He had good production, but not uh, out of this world production at Mizzou. And I, I think he played in two defenses as well that didn't really fit him. Uh, he, he, here in, uh, in the, the first year, he played in that wide nine scheme. I don't think that was a good fit. And then this past year, uh, not to anybody's fault on this, on this, uh, in this regime, but you know, he, he's playing 3-4 outside linebacker. He's not a good fit in that role, too. I think it's a good fit for him, Paul, as a 4-3 defensive end in the Falcons scheme.
0: Yeah, uh, the only thing I'd say as far as a defensive scheme that didn't fit him is
1: an NFL
0: defensive scheme at this point. So Miami got something for him, and that that was right there on my wish list. So good luck. Yeah. I mean, he seems like a good dude, but not really yeah. an NFL caliber player. Uh, he, he's the Bakari Rambo of
1: defensive linemen. Yeah, he was. He's been. I mean, there's never been any point other than his rookie year training camp where you ever heard or saw a good thing about the guy that's a shame and by the way uh on my shelf here uh i've got a charles harris signed football from the university of missouri so uh, I, I think it's extended beyond jerseys now to just don't collect memorabilia i mean gosh i've got all these dolphins posters on my wall here i need to or uh or not posters but uh Uh, banners and things like that. So I I think I may need to take them off too. So we'll, we'll see what happens. I
0: I think you should avoid even playing as the dolphins on Madden at this point.
1: So yeah, Yeah, that's pretty harsh, but uh, yeah, (laughs) no, I'm just kidding. Uh, Yeah. It's yeah. I don't know. Speaking of jerseys, Paul, the dolphins have some new ones. I mean, and uh, don't worry. I'm, I put my credit card away. It's not going to happen, but uh, we do have some jersey numbers to announce. Actually, a couple hours before we we came on the show here, so Tua is going to wear number one. So he takes uh, the mascot's number, uh, TD. I wonder if he had to take him out to dinner or something like that. I don't know, uh, but he is number one here on the Dolphins, and I'm glad. I, I wanted him to pick one or ten. Um, the, obviously, the the talk of I mean there there was no talk, but it, I, I was so sick of seeing. People have him in that 13 Marino jersey. Just, just stop it. I know it was a joke to some people, not a joke to us here. Uh, Austin Jackson at offensive tackle wears number 73, same number he wore in college. Noah Igbenogany shows how young he is at, at 20 years old. He picks number 46, uh, which is a fullbacks number, but uh, yeah, I, I still like the pick. Uh, Robert Hunt, number 68, uh, is going to play tackle or guard. It looks like he's going to be offensive tackle based on what we've heard here over the last week, Raquan Davis number 98 very fitting for him, Brandon Jones at safety uh, did, does not take uh Rashad Jones's number, he he picks number 45. Solomon Kinley looks like an even bigger uh a bigger ugly, I guess we'll say I'd pick a number 66, Jason Strobridge 58, Curtis Weaver 96. Blake Ferguson 50 and Malcolm Perry number 10. So it looks like he is going to stay at that wide receiver spot uh, based on that number. So uh, yeah, any, anything, uh, I mean, I I guess there are no surprises here, but uh, thoughts on the numbers, Paul.
0: No, it's, it's, it's kind of weird seeing some, some numbers and and you know, this it's you're, you're, you're the old grumpy man on the show recorded to some of our viewers for some of the video stuff we've done on YouTube. But uh, it's uh, it's weird seeing some numbers on other people uh, than that somebody iconic that you pictured. Because the Marino thing brings it up a little bit. Uh, obviously, Marino was the, the, hell no, you don't get his jersey number. Yeah, it doesn't take anything away from what Dan did. But it, it kind of takes away from what you did if, if you're walking into town and saying, I'm going to wear the number of the best goddamn player to ever play for this franchise. Uh,
1: yeah, and, and and for the yeah, record, he, for the record, he never did either.
0: No, he was good with it right off the rip. I mean, ten minutes after he got drafted, I was on that Zoom call with him, and you know, one of the first things he said was, "I'll wear any number they want. You don't wear number thirteen. That's Dan." Um, yep. so, yeah, no, I'm with you, but you know, numbers like sixty-six. I know, I know, you're gonna think I'm gonna say Jamie nails who put together the the best season in franchise history. And, and yeah, that does pop up for me, but there's also Larry little, you know, and seeing that on Kinley, uh, number 95 on Benito Jones, which you Iconicized as well. Um, you know, I saw one of his first preseason games when he came walking out of the tunnel with the metal Tim Bowens. I mean, yeah, there's been no better 95 before or since on the dolphins. Um, yeah, you know, Kim Camper, number 58 um who we've gotten to know very well from our time down in Miami. Um you know, and, and of course there's, you know, I I'm, I'm going to get a little giggle every time I see Tua come out in that one jersey cuz I'm going to think about Gary Upremi and throwing that crap pass. Um you know, and, and just, I I can't help it. But uh, you know, there's 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 a few of them. There, there are a few mixed in there. I won't get into every single one, but a lot of iconic. Oh, Mark Clayton's number, eighty-three. Man, Kirk Merritt's got some big shoes to fill.
1: Yeah, and I, it's only a matter of time for me uh, until they they just put three numbers on the jersey. I mean, it, like eventually, you're going to have so many numbers retired. There, there's going to be a couple of numbers to pick from. So, yeah, I, wear emojis. <laughs> God. Yeah, probably.
0: But, uh, Charles Harris yeah, so, they wear the poop emoji. <laughs> I Sorry. guess so.
1: I guess so. See, see, uh, you see, you see, typically that would get a, you know, for for somebody with a, with a, with a younger sense of humor, uh, that would get a laugh. Not, not for me. I'm, I am the grumpy old man on the show. So, uh, find the middle yeah, finger
0: I, emoji. How's that?
1: Yeah. Okay. Yeah, all right. I can relate to that a little bit more. Um, <laughs> But Paul finally here uh you know I have just listening to all the different um all the different dolphins uh um, draft breakdowns and the AFC East breakdowns you know people are starting to form their opinions a little bit about how this division might look and you know I'm just curious at a high level to get your thought uh where where you rank these teams right now as they stand with these rosters 1 through 4 so
0: it's very hard to say this because it has been the Pats division and they do have Bill Belichick. Uh, they've, they're going to have a very flexible defense, and, and I do like Jarrett Stidham, but at the end of the day, their roster's not in a position right now to be able to do the things we're used to seeing from the Patriots the last 20 years. So I can't put them at number one. I, I really have to say, I think Miami. Could take the division this year. I think the Jets will be a close second, believe it or not, because they had a very good draft. But at the end of the day, they still got Gase at the helm. Buffalo comes in third, and the Pats come in fourth this year.
1: Interesting, so very
0: weird thing that I'm used to growing up with.
1: So Buffalo comes in third for you without a flinch. That's that's interesting because. You know, Bills were 10 and six last year, added Stefan Diggs in the off season, didn't lose anybody. And, you know, they, it, it seems like according to the odds that, that they're kind of the odds on favorite to win the division. Um, I've got, I, I do have them winning it, uh, right now. I mean, my opinion might change. Um, but I, I, I don't think it's a huge high upside roster. I, I think they'd win the division with nine or 10 wins. Um. Then second, yeah, I've got the Dolphins uh, and Jets close, uh, and then I've got the Patriots fourth because, look, and, and I'll say that with an asterisk with New England, I I kind of think the opposite that as you do on on this roster with the, with the Patriots, I think their defense is still very good. They're, I mean, they, they were phenomenal last year. Their secondary is is arguably the best in the league, um, but on the offensive side of the ball. Uh, I think it's going to be either Jared. I, I I think the Patriots are going to finish fourth, or they're or they're going to finish first. Nowhere in between because um, if, if they're going to play Jared Stidham. He's going to start for him. And if he's a train wreck, you put Brian Hoyer in. And I, I don't see them winning more than five or six games at that point. So I, I've got the Bills first, Dolphins second, Jets third, Patriots fourth, as it stands now.
0: And and my thing with the Bills, I just want to go back to that real quick. There was no point last year where I, I, I turned a Bills game on and went these guys look like the real thing. There was no point, no matter they could have gone 16 and 0 last year and still would have felt like a pretender. And I don't, I can't fully put my finger on it. I think Josh Allen's gonna struggle against some very good secondaries in the in in the AFC East alone um across the board and, and I, that that's where I I can't do it with them they feel to me like the jaguars of a couple of years ago where you know they went to god the AFC they 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 were one play away from from possibly taking the entire AFC and going to the Super Bowl yeah
1: i, I hope that doesn't happen and,
0: and then they just looked like hot garbage from there and fell apart and destroyed their team and nobody wants to be there and can't figure out quarterback all of a sudden and you know lose everybody and can't figure out what to do with with what they've got left uh, and that's God, that that it feels like Buffalo might be that team.
1: Uh, I'm I'm am uh, I'm surprised to hear you say that there because uh, the, the the Bills don't really seem like that type of team right now I mean they they've got a quarterback who's who's getting better and better they they draft Devin Singletary last year to play running back he plays real well they have they have a defense that's fantastic um I think with when it comes to the bills yeah though they they could struggle Josh Allen unless he becomes a quarterback that can throw for more than 3,500 yards in a year uh could struggle against the Patriots and the Dolphins secondary on a consistent basis. And, and you have to, you have to play your division. You have to beat your division uh in order to win and to do that, to win those matchups. That's why it really angered me when they traded for Stefan Diggs, because when they did that, uh it, it forced everybody else down a peg. John Brown's the second receiver, Cole Beasley's now the third receiver. So yeah, we, we, we're going to talk about the AFC East a lot here. Uh, in the upcoming months, so we don't want don't want to take too de- uh, deep of a dive in this here, but yeah, I, I think the I think the Dolphins could could snuggle in kind of in the middle of this division here, but if they do, they have an extra first, second, and two sixth rounders already next year, Paul.
0: Yeah, it's uh, and and the Texans after having a ridiculously bad off season capped it off with a pretty bad draft overall i mean they got ross blacklock and jonathan greenard but that's the crown jewels of their draft class by a country mile and blacklock doesn't come without questions and, and greenard is is good but he's not really what the team needed right now so the texans pick could become more and more and more valuable considering the rest of the afc south they had a pretty good offseason overall.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I can't. I've never seen a team like the Texans try harder to make their team worse because they made a lot of moves here in the off season. I mean, I, you, you obviously you trade for you trade DeAndre Hopkins for David Johnson. There's some other draft picks in there too. Uh, they get a second rounder back, and then they turn that around and trade that second rounder for Brandon Cooks, who's been, you know. Passed around the, the league like fruitcake, it, and Randall Cobb it, overpay him to force Kenny Stills down to the fourth receiver position. Man, yeah, I, I mean, I I think maybe the, the criticism alone for the Houston Texans and and the things surrounding that team, just the aura of that team with the rest of the division improving, might uh <laughs> might 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 be reason enough to think they have a bad year, and the Dolphins get higher draft picks.
0: Yeah, it's it, it's it's almost comical that Miami could end up with a higher draft pick next year than in the season that they were supposedly tanking for Tua, and, and you know it's. I hope Tua is the answer. I really do. My biggest concern with Tua has been and will be the injury history, and it it's a little comforting to know that if that injury history does rear its head. Miami could be sitting there with a top three pick from the Texans next year. And even if, if they don't need that, that quarterback, they're in position to make a move to accumulate a lot of draft capital for teams that do need that quarterback. If, for some reason, Tua does have the injury bug that, that I had feared before, well, Miami's in position Right there again, because the Texans are going to be hot ass this year.
1: Uh, Well, I mean, a couple things there. I I think that that factored in for me a lot with with Tua. Where Look, I I expect him to take it easy this year. I expect him to heal. But if there is something wrong with that hip, then you're probably going to know pretty quickly uh, here in the first year. Mm -hmm. Probably. Uh, and then from that point, yeah, you do have the opportunity to turn around and package uh, those picks and, and move up. I I still think the Texans are probably going to just by Deshaun Watson alone are going to be uh, are, are going to be a middle of the pack team, uh, if if not better. But if, if anything happens with Deshaun Watson, if if the defense completely caves, yeah, I mean it it, it could be a rough season for the Texans and and everybody. Should be just like last year, should be rooting against rooting for every single team the Houston Texans play. So it's it's cool to know that next year the Dolphins are, are going to have a lot of draft picks. Uh, and you know, they, if they find themselves in a high spot and they feel good about it, they're also able to move down at that time, too. So, a lot of different things. This is why it's always good to stockpile these types of draft picks so you have more swings at the plate.
0: Yeah, and one other important factor with all those draft picks Miami has next year is those may come into play a lot sooner than people think because there may potentially, because of this COVID stuff, there may potentially, as we talked about before, be another option coming up where Miami submits the line bids on players in the supplemental draft because if players are fearful that there is not going to be a fall season, you may see a lot of these guys, the Travis Etienne's, the Chuba Hubbard's, the Alex Leatherwood's, uh, that are high, high, high projected picks and were for this draft that surprised a lot of people and went back to school. You may see a lot of people declare for that supplemental draft in a, in, in a, in a way unlike anything we have ever seen before at which point we may see Miami burn a couple of their picks off to drastically continue to improve the roster this year for the future. So it could get real interesting in July.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's a great point. That's something to, something to keep our eye out for. So we're going to be be keeping our eye out for a lot here uh, as, as the months roll on. And that's going to do it for our breakdown of this week's activities here with the Miami dolphins. You can follow Paul and I on the Finn side, uh, on Facebook, Twitter, Spreaker, iTunes, YouTube, iHeartRadio, and Spotify, I'm Brian Cat NFL. On Twitter, Paul is fanatic underscore pick. And if it's not on the right side and it's not on the left side, it is on the fin side. So, Ladie, take us home.
0: It ain't the left side for the right side, then it must be the fin side. Fin side. It ain't the left From side for the right, right side, then it must be uh, the fin look, side. Listen, Duffer stands across the land all tuning in.
1: Save big money now on new siding from LP Smart Side at Menards. Update and beautify your home with your choice of 13 timeless colors of pre finished engineered siding.